became a short chapter to read. <clears throat> no, but in this chapter, David leads Israel <clears throat> to victory by killing the Philistine champion Goliath. David's father sends him to the battle only to bring the three older brothers some food. But while he was there, he saw what was going on and got involved. Goliath was defying the armies of God, and no man was standing up against him. Even their king Saul was afraid to fight him, and David slew Goliath and cut off his head, and the enemy flees, and Israel wins. <clears throat> so we'll pray, and then I'm going to get into the message. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to preach. Pray that you would give me the words to speak, Lord, and pray that you would um, help me to preach a clean message, Lord, and it would be edifying unto the congregation. I pray that you bring our pastor home safely, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start reading in verse 26 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it reads, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Elias, and Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And I want to focus on that verse where he says, what have I now done? Is there not a, not a cause? Here it seems David is trying to rally up the troops. You know, the, uh, the Philistines are kind of punking these guys right now. Nobody wants to step up and fight Goliath. And there's really nobody there that's leading. So obviously there's a void of leadership. And David is trying to fill that void. <clears throat> when his brother attacks him, he simply responds by asking him, is there not a cause for me to be stepping up right now? I mean, Goliath was literally calling them out for 40 days straight, and nobody had stepped up. You know, therefore, David is now doing it, and um, he's, he's kind of being uh, attacked for being prideful, as if he's doing this to make himself look good. And David's saying, is there not a cause for me to be doing this right now? Because he, someone needs to be stepping up. So he ignores the critics and continues on to obviously complete the mission. It's a very famous uh, chapters. I picked that so even if I bomb the sermon, you'll be in, entertained by the scripture reading. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but the title of my sermon tonight is will be, Is There Not a Cause? And I, and I want to ask that question, is there not a cause today for men to stand up and be leaders like David was in that situation? To be leaders in their homes, leaders in their jobs, and leaders in their churches. Is there not a cause today to take on the wickedness of this world and the, you know, the filth and the, the smut that's going on in this world and as, as men of God stand up against that when nobody else is? Um, it's not hard to look around and know that we do have a cause to fight. There is a reason for us to be fighting. We have an enemy out there that's, that's winning in a lot of cases. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And I believe that we are living in these last days. Obviously, everything is the last days, but we're getting closer and closer to it every day. And we see that going on out, out all around us. And the Bible says in First uh, Chronicles 16, 24, 
We are to declare his glory among the heathen and his marvelous works among all the nations. I believe that's what we should be doing as believers, as leaders. We should be declaring his, his works among all the nations. Like in Daniel 11:32, it says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. So as Christians, specifically us in this movement who are focused on serving God, focused on the things of God, you know, it's our responsibility to stand up and to be leaders um, among the people, specifically if we are, you know, happy to be here for, you know, for the end times in the last days. They're going to be looking for leadership, people to be telling them, you know, where, you know, what they should be doing and uh, that they should be believing on Jesus Christ for salvation. That's I believe that's our job. And uh, God is looking to raise up leaders for these last days. And we see throughout the Bible the, f- the fate of nations rising and falling on leadership. Brother Hugo was talking about it this morning, all the nations of Israel. You can go through and just see one rise and then one fall due to a leader that's either righteous or wicked. It's so evident to, to see that in the Bible. And we see that today, obviously, if you just look at our country, the leaders that we have in our country today. And, you know, throughout history, it's been progressively getting worse, and so has our country. It's progressively getting worse and worse. If you just look, we're currently in debt to the tune of $22,844,000,000, and then there's nine zeros there. I mean, that's insane. That's ridiculous. But that's what bad leadership does. You know, it allows your country to get so out of control that you would put yourself in that much debt. You know, because they're the ones who are running the bill, and we're the ones paying for it. You know, but they're, you know, they're just bad leaders. They don't want to, you know, stop this and, and, you know, tighten it up because it's going to make everybody have to live a less glamorous lifestyle and it's going to make them not be elected again. You know, so that's bad leadership. They're not out here for us. They're out here for themselves. Right. If we were a business, we'd be a, we'd be bankrupt. And the CEO who is running that business would never have a job again for the rest of his life. And that's how these politicians should be. But. You know, they get elected over and over again, and, and it's ridiculous. Our leaders don't care about any but themselves, and all they care about is staying in power. And uh, chickens will come home to roost someday on that. So <clears throat> I remember when Trump was first elected, and there was a lot of talk that he was going to defeat the New World Order, you know, and he was uh, going to do all these great things. I was deceived by him for the first couple of months, um, but he turned out just, just like I expected, just to be another puppet, another politician, just like the rest of them. And you see in, in Ezekiel 22:30, the Bible says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. And I feel like that's a verse directed you know, directly at our country right now. I mean, the Lord's looking for a leader to stand up, and he can't find any. Therefore, he's going to uh, pour out his fire and his wrath on our country. And that I believe that's in the Bible as well with Mystery Babylon. Um, now, since I do believe we have a cause to lead, I want to go through this section of Scripture and try to learn some lessons on leadership because there's a lot of lessons on leadership in this um, passage of scripture here. So the first thing I want to I want to look at is a leader must also be a follower. 
So before you can lead, you have to learn how to follow. You don't just jump to the top of the, of the ring of anything. Um, and, and you'll find that throughout, throughout all different uh, rungs of, of society. So if you want to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, please. First Samuel chapter 16, we're going to be in verse 12. So here the Lord just sends Samuel to anoint one of Jesse's uh, sons to be king. And we start reading in verse 12. He says, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So why why I think this is uh, interesting is because David is not king yet. He's still uh, serving as a shepherd boy. He's still serving as the armor bearer. But he's been anointed by God and he knows it. Um, And he still stays humble and meek and he serves in his capacity that, you know, God has him in so far. And uh, I just thought that was interesting when I was reading it. And in 1 Samuel 16, 18, it says, Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is, a, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. So even the people around him could see that David was a great man of God and that he was, you know, special. You know, people could understand that. But David himself did not, you know, lift himself highly. He stayed in his role um, because that's that's what he was supposed to be doing. He uh, he served as a shepherd boy, like I said, and an armor bearer. He could have gotten puffed up and prideful like most people would who have that kind of talent or that kind of um, whatever it may be, but he was meek and he obeyed the Lord and the biblical authority that was in his life. Pride prevents a, a lot of people from being followers. They want to be, they're too puffed up to, to feel like they can follow another man. And there's all kinds of, you know, goofy people out there that say you're not supposed to go to church, you're supposed to, you know, be the house church and all that. That's not true. The biblical method is to have a pastor and you're supposed to be under good leadership. Um, and I, I believe we have that here. That's why I'm at this church. Uh, the Bible says that the Lord hates a proud look, <clears throat> and pride always goeth before destruction. So you want to get pride out of your life, specifically if you plan to be a leader someday, you have to get that out of your life so you can be a follower first. And you can uh, let God let God mold you the way he wants you to so that he can use you in a, in a great way someday. Now Moses was a great example of this, of being meek and humble, a uh, servant of the Lord. And he served his people as a great leader as he led them out, out of Egypt. Um, he's a famous man in the Bible. In Numbers 12, uh, 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. So he was one of the greatest men in the Bible, and one of his uh, major attributes was that he was meek. right? So he had power, but he didn't have to show it. He didn't have to use it. He kept it, he kept it down until he, he really needed it. Um, that's a great attribute. Now, this doesn't mean you just blindly follow anyone, all right? So there's, that's the difference here. You don't just blindly follow anyone. You want to get behind a real man of God who is really in the fight, and you want to back him up, right? Like the pastor that we have at this church. And in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, the Bible reads this, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? 
Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now, I believe this is teaching us that we need to move on from the man of God if they are no longer following God, right? So a lot of people will get caught up. They feel like you just got to stick with the guy. But if the guy's not sticking with God, you know, you got to move on to somewhere where they are following God so that you can grow and that you can serve God yourself. Now, especially if you're young and you want to be a pastor someday, it's really hard for you to follow a man of God when they're really not doing the things that you, know, you want to be doing that a man of God should be doing. So I, think it's re- I believe it's really important that you need to get under somebody you respect who takes the things of God seriously so that you can grow and you can get to where you want to be uh, for the Lord someday. And First uh, <clears throat> Timothy, Timothy 3.6 says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he, and he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now, I feel like if a lot of these, these people who go to these churches where the pastor's really not that serious or they're really not teaching doctrine and they're sitting at home watching uh, Pastor Anderson videos, someone could get lifted up with pride even though because they're a novice and they could fall into the condemnation of the devil. So if you're following online, you're in the movement, you know, and you're just not happy at your church, the best thing for you to do is get into a church of like mind and like faith so that you can be, you know, nourished correctly so you don't, so you don't fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now, this principle of being a good follower is true in your secular life as well, because you don't just start out as the boss at work. You have to work your way up as an employee. You know, you have to follow the lead of your boss. These are, these are very um, natural things that you have to learn if you want to be successful in life in general. Um, Colossians 3.22 says, Servants, obey all, all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. So you're not necessarily obeying your boss because you respect him, you know, personally. He may be a wicked person or whatnot, you know. But God commands us to do that, and we're doing it as unto the Lord. You know, if God can watch you do that in a situation where the, the man doesn't deserve it, you know, it's not him who's getting the the respect. It's you're respecting God in that situation, and it goes a long way in in God's eyes. Now. The same thing at home in your family life. You start out as a child who obeys your parents, and eventually, God, God willing, you'll have your own family that is obedient to your rule. So in Colossians 3.20, it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So this is just a natural order of you know, human life. Um, so I wanted to go through that quickly. And uh, the next thing I want to look at in this passage of Scripture is the mistakes of Saul. So there's... Pretty much tales of two leaders here, and we're going to look at Saul first and some of the mistakes that he made. So if you will turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15, please. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1, the Bible reads, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Now here gives, here's, God gives Saul a direct order, a command to go and destroy the Amalekites. You know, women, children, and he gets very specific. He says infant and suckling, you know, because naturally a, a human being wouldn't, wouldn't want to kill infants and sucklings. But God gave that command to do that uh, because he was being very specific. 
So God was extremely clear with Saul that he, what he was to do. But let's read on and see, see what happens. In uh, verse 7 of 1 Samuel 15, the Bible says, And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is, over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of, of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utter, utterly destroy them. But everything was vile and refused that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. So Saul disobeys God here and keeps Agag alive and the best of the livestock. To him, this probably seems, you know, not really that big of a deal. It seems normal. You want to keep those things. You know, but God's got other plans. God's got a, a, a bigger vision than ours. You know, that's why he, he needs us to be obedient because we don't always know what's going on. We just need to trust and obey the Lord. And that's what a, a leader has to be a follower, most importantly, a follower of God. And we see right here that he says he has turned back from following me. That's what the Lord said about Saul. So that's just not good. And we need to use the Bible as our guide so that we can follow the Lord in these current days. <clears throat> so in Proverbs 3, 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. It says, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. So Saul was, just, Saul was not being a good follower of the Lord. And in uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 17, we read, And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? So this verse implies that at one, at one time Saul was little in his own sight. But it seems like not anymore. You know, now he's the king. Now he's got all this power or, or whatever it is. It kind of corrupted him. It made him uh, kind of go astray from the Lord. He's no longer following the Lord like he should. You know, so he's kind of going down the wrong path here. In uh, verse 18, he says, And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, then, didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And uh, so Saul continues to say he, he did do what he was supposed to. Um, I'm going to read down. So verse 23 says, uh, or verse 22 says, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fats of rams. So he, he basically is about to, uh, uh, let me continue on. So Saul disobeyed the Lord, and he tried to pass the buck of responsibility onto the people. So he basically says that, you know, it's not his fault that they sacrificed these things. You know, it's, it's the people's fault. You know, but when it comes down to being a leader and being, you know, being the, the, where the buck stops, that means the buck stops at you. So if you hearken unto the voice of the, of the people, you know, God's going to hold you responsible. And that's a, a real big uh, thing that we learn from this story. So if people are telling you to do something opposite of God's word, 
you know, you'll have to buck up and go against the crowd. And that's something that not a lot of people like to do. You know, specifically in this day and age, they like to just kind of go with the flow, go with the crowd. But we know that the crowd is always wrong because the Bible says, narrow is the way and straight is the gate which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And, you know, wide is the gate and broad is the way which leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So we want to try to stay away from the crowds, and we want to stick with the word of God, stick with the men of God, who stand out, right? That's what that's who we want to follow. So you're not always going to make friends with everyone when you're following God and being a leader. <clears throat> First Samuel 15, verse 24, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So it would be easy uh, to be hard on Saul right now for his blatant disregard for God's commands. But let's put ourselves in his shoes because, I mean, we all have our own lives and we deal with things every day where it's tough to kind of stand up for what's right. He had a really, I mean, he had a hard job, so I'm not going to be too hard on him, you know, but at the same time, we're going to use this story as an example of what not to do, right? You don't want to hearken unto the people because you can see, um, specifically if it's going against God's word, obviously, in the story, it's going to make a catastrophe for Saul and for the people in general. So... We're going to go on and we're going to talk about the, uh, David's victories. So we just looked at Saul's mistakes. We're going to look at David's victories. So if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17 with me. And we're going to go back to our, our, our section, uh, verse 28 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. <clears throat> and we read, let me get a drink here. And Elias, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. So now, before David actually has to go up against Goliath, this literal giant, right? Before he has to even do that, he's already fighting battles. He's fighting spiritual battles. And it's not against, like, strangers, you know, which most people are going to see. It's, it's against the people that you know, the people that you think are closest to you, like your family and your friends. Uh, specifically, after you get saved and, and the battles that you'll have, you'll have a lot of uh, battles with your family and your friends. And we see this here, that his brother accuses him of being prideful and tries to discourage him from doing the work of God. And we know, I mean, that, that section of Scripture where Dan, or, uh, David says, Search me, O God. And, you know, I can't quote it, but David was a righteous man, and, and that's why you know, he was doing right in this situation. But his brother was trying to portray him to be doing wrong, you know, to be doing it for his own prideful reasons. So unlike Saul, David does not hearken to the negative influences and sticks to what he knows is right. So we see in verse 29, David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from, from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the format. So he heard the, the negative uh, you know, stuff from his brother, and he just ignored it and just kept on going with what he, was, he knew was right. Now, this is a battle most of us will have, uh, like I said, with our family and our friends. You're going to receive a lot of resistance if you're going to try to serve God. I'm sure you've all experienced it. So just remember Philippians 3.14, I press toward the, might, the mark of the high of the prize I'm sorry, I press toward the mark for the, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'll get it. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 17, 32 says, And David said to Saul, 
Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. So everybody in this whole war is scared. And here comes this, this little ruddy, you know, you know, cute little boy, you know, and he takes on the, the giant. And he, uh, he rallies the people. And in verse 33 he says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Now, here David is, before he fights, he's being dissuaded again, this time by the king, who's supposed to be the leader, right? And this is where it really gets tricky in your life, when you're being dissuaded by people who are supposed to be in leadership positions in your life. Um, that's why you've got to get in the Bible so you know what's, what's right. Although uh, we should obey the people that have rule over us, if it directly goes against God's word, we should not obey that. And uh, also Saul brings up the fact that David is but a youth. And I see this being used all the time against our crowd. And I've had a, a personal attacks. You know, I'm just young and, I'm, you know, all these other things. Um, so I, I was going to talk about that for a little bit. They say uh, our younger pastors in our movement, the younger members, we're just naive and we don't know what we're talking about. And we don't know what we're doing. They say we're novices. You know, we didn't graduate from Bible college. And <clears throat> we're in a cult. I've heard that one many times. But at the same time, they're saying these things. They're acting just like King Saul, and they're too afraid to get in the battles that are going on right now in front of us, right? Um, and and we are, we're, the one, we're the ones stepping up and getting the work done. So the, the young kids who don't know what they're doing, we're the ones out here you know, doing the soul winning, doing the work. Uh, right? Obviously, there's older folks, too. I'm just saying, in general, that's kind of where our movement is, is lying with the young, young folks. First um, Samuel 17:11 says, "When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid." So these churches that are, are against us, that are talking bad about us, these are the ones who, you know, these churches are filled with scaredy cats right now. You know, we're young, you know, but we're the we're the Davids right now that are out here trying to take on the Goliaths, and they're the King Sauls who are saying, you know, don't do that; they're going to get you. You know, but we're not afraid. That's that's them. They're the scaredy cats. So we just need to keep uh, doing right. In 1 Timothy 4.12, the Bible says, Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. I do get upset you know, when older men of God or older Christians kind of uh, attack us or, or attack anybody who's young and in the faith and who's you know, fired up and working hard for God. Because I've seen it time and time again. And it's, it's really annoying to me because the Bible talks about a lot young men being leaders and being fired up and you know, taking the, the charge forward for Christians. Um, so it's not an unbiblical concept whatsoever. Now, <clears throat> um, so I've been uh, accused of being young and prideful only because I wanted to you know, be serious about the things of God. And if I would have listened to the, the leadership in my life that I had at that time, I'd still be sitting in the same place doing the same thing, stagnant and stale in my Christian life. You know, but I, I followed some young leaders, some young men that were fired up, fired up for God, and I believe God's blessing me for that. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing um, some fruit from, from that. And uh, in verse – and I'm going to wrap this up here real quick. And in verse uh, 42, we see – and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and a ruddy and a fair countenance. So here he's being uh, looked at as being a youth again. 
And in 45, it says, then, then said David to the Philistine, thou comest with me to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. So David doesn't care that he's young. He knows who he's got behind him. He's got the Lord behind him. You know, these other people are thinking of the things of the world. We need to set our things on, of things of, on, in heaven, right? And uh, 46, he says, This day will, will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is God in Israel. Now, I wouldn't mess with that kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> he may be young, but he's not, uh, he's not scared. Um, I like telling this story to, to, to my kids. You know, this is a good bedtime story. Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in his hand. I love this verse right here, 51. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now, I just think we can all learn um, something from this passage of Scripture and, and apply it to our lives today. Whatever situations we are in, you know, we have, we have opportunity to lead, to lead. We need to step out in faith and let the Lord work through us if we're obedient to God's word. And therefore, we can make a difference. And uh, we all need to take responsibility for our lives and live for the Lord. And with that, we'll, we'll close in a word of prayer. Dear Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, again for this church. Thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. And just pray that you would bless us with this new building. And continue to grow the church so we can do great things for you. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen.